Now that it's December and the end of the year, it's a good time for us to reflect. What has happened to Tesla's business? How has Tesla's fundamentals changed? And while not fun, it's also a good time to ask the question, what events made the stock fall the most? I think we know, right? <laughs> so this year, Tesla officially launched a Giga Berlin, Giga Texas. They demoed the Tesla bot. They released Semi, and they just recently made FSD beta-wide release. They had record quarters again and again, but despite that, the stock fell. So today, Yashu Sharma joins us to help us give perspective on all of that. Thank you so much, Yashu, for joining me. Thank you, Herbert, for having me on. Appreciate it. Yashu has a YouTube channel called Hit That Bid. He is an expert in analyzing Tesla fundamentals. He's got his own long-term modeling forecast as well that we're going to look at. And he's actually well-known for his stock options momentum trading advice, but he has a passion in converting more people to EVs. So Yashu, you're going to need to tell me more about how you got into that. And you seem to be a bright guy, so please help me get brighter. <laughs> Um, first of all, nothing I say is 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 remotely smart. Um, you can ask my chat that, um, and, and definitely not advice. But what I, what got me into into everything was um, to actually sitting in a Tesla. Funny enough, I've told this story multiple times on, on my channel, but I'll kind of give the elevator yeah. version of it. Uh, sat in a Tesla, did a test drive. My dad kind of forced me to do it. I was kind of anti EV Tesla for for a while, but not hardcore. Not like Tesla Q, but like yeah, I don't know what. Tesla valuation is doing this high. It doesn't really make sense. It's kind of a science experiment to when I sat in a Tesla, let's say 2019, that kind of changed everything for me. Cause I, you know, actually sitting in the Tesla didn't change it. It was when my dad towards the end of the ride was like, you have to drive it yourself too. And I didn't want to, I was like, it's the same thing as me sitting in the passenger seat. But when I drove it, uh, the experience in and of itself kind of changed my perspective. And and that in and of itself didn't make Tesla a good investment in my eyes, I, but that really opened the door into me wanting to look at what is Tesla? Like what's under the hood here? Why, why is there so, why is the fan base so big for Tesla? Like what is happening mm. here? What's, is there a revolution? And kind of one thing led to another, which kind of led to, I guess, me getting into Tesla, getting started with talking EV, test driving Chevy Bolts, Nissan Leaf, we had one in the family. And then um, options has kind of been my background for better or for worse because of my dad and him kind of being like a uh, kind of the OG uh, degenerate gambler of his day and me growing up since, you know, as a kid talking stock with him. And oh. so when and I used to do funny fact, I used to do like live streams on YouTube in 2016, 2017 to like zero viewers of just me trading on Thinkorswim. Um, <laughs> I, I took all those videos down. But one thing led to another and I was like, I'm spending too much time talking Tesla in 2020. It was, you know, I was yeah. talking about the S&P inclusion with my buddies and they're like, dude, stop. I don't care. And <laughs> to be fair, I get it. And I was on Twitter a lot and no one was talking about the effect of options momentum on Tesla and inclusion and uh, what the weighting was going to be like. And I was like, I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about options and the momentum there. Started the channel, um, quickly got monetized, was able to do live streams, and then kind of the Juju Gang was born from there. And I, I like to think of us together. Uh, I, I like to think of our community as we come together, we talk Tesla, uh, we talk about the current events, and we try to get better, kind of like you know brighter with Herbert. You know, we, we same thing. We we try to just get a little bit brighter because we assume that everything we we kind of think is wrong anyways, and then we try to make our basis from there. But it's always entertaining watching stuff talking with people and uh yeah i'm super lucky to have a, a, an awesome subscriber base 
Yeah, my friend uh, Xander Sky, you know him well, of course. He really uh, tells me that you were the channel that he really <laughs> learned a lot from. And uh, awesome. you were saying that you guys basically share this together. So with options trading and, uh, and specifically with Tesla, is that something that uh, you've enjoyed doing over time? Have you, you know, made money? Are you pretty uh, transparent with what you do with that? Yeah, I don't, I don't really like, I'm not a, I don't go like, oh, this is what I'm alerting. And this is, what, but I kind of like to look at the theory of options. I love the talking theory of options. If you open a call spread, sell a call spread, what's your break evens? Um, you know, what's your theta decay on this? What's a good strategy to avoid theta decay if you don't want to be holding theta long, that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. 2022 has not been pretty for, for options trading, unless you're short options. Uh, and towards the beginning of the year, I was like, screw it. I'm not doing very many options. So okay. on the channel, I haven't done very much options content and have people commenting all the time like, yeah, let's get back to tutorials and options. And maybe when the Fed U-turns and we start talk about a pause, yeah. it makes more sense to buy Theta. Uh, but this environment is is quite unique. Like we haven't seen this type of a drawdown market wide uh, for a long time. So I'm not yeah. sure if options is the is that has been the best scenario. Um, right. When I so discovered far. you just recently, when I saw one of your videos and hearing you talk about it, the thing that really excited me was when you start talking about Tesla fundamentals and your knowledge regarding that. So why don't you tell, tell me a little bit about um, one of the things I saw was your, your analysis of the Ford PE, Tesla's Ford PE uh, against the, the potential revenue that's coming out there. Can you yeah, share that with me? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I shared my screen here if you want to pull it up. And so, so this is actually a chart shared by Meyer Tucker on Twitter. Shout out to him. Um, this is uh, on the y-axis. We have the forward PE uh, of all of these stocks. In the bottom, we have the forward revenue growth. One thing to keep in mind with PE ratios and all this stuff is usually by default, people talk about trailing 12. And yeah. though that's fine, I don't think it's very... Um, it's not palatable for investors to really care about too much because we want we, we care about what's going to happen, right? The market's trying to price in what's going to happen. And, and so this chart you can see here, Tesla is one is on the lower rung of the forward PEs for next year, you know, sitting at, let's say, actually, um, I have it right here. The exact number um, is like 34, 35 forward PE for next year. Uh, and then on top of that, if you look at that versus where Tesla is projected for, for forward revenue for next fiscal year, it, it's the highest on this chart. And I'm, I like to think like, of course, all we care about as investors is what can we, what's the highest alpha, right? Like what can we get the best return on investment from? That's the whole point of investing. And I think Amazon's a good comparable here. Amazon, Apple, or Amazon, Apple, of course, Fang. But Amazon's only projected to grow revenue about 10-ish percent next year, 10 to 12 percent next year. Meanwhile, it's trading at a greater than 50 PE, 60 PE right now. So you can see that investors are placing a large, uh, a larger amount of capital towards Amazon, despite Tesla having almost triple, 3.5 times the forward revenue growth um, versus Amazon. And so, of course, you can encapsulate this just by giving your peg, right? The peg is yeah. the PE divided by the by the forward um, EPS growth, technically. But investors are discounting Tesla quite severely, given the recent drawdowns that we've seen. Yeah, I was telling you earlier that one of my pet peeves is that everybody keeps referring to trailing PE instead of forward. So step one, that's great. Two, you know, isn't it kind of unfair or is this what this chart does when we're comparing a growth company versus a company like an Amazon that's been around for decades. What I mean is that Tesla just built 
two new gigafactories that's not being reflected yet uh, and are going to continue growing that way. They're just at the beginning of their story. So how does that is, that, is that what this chart will do? It's kind of like normalized for that versus Amazon, you know, it's pretty well won its market already. Well, I mean, to the bottom and to the right is 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 where you want to be um, as close to the as close to um, well, if in terms of an opportunity is where you want to be yeah. the bottom and the right, because you want to look at something that's not being priced as heavy and yet has substantial growth uh, for next year. Right. And so. I think the peg is probably what you're hitting at there because the peg takes into account everything. Like, you know, the, the peg essentially is the PE divided by the EPS growth. Anything under a one peg is undervalued. Anything over one right. um, for a peg is, you know, between one, 1. 1.5 to two, you could say fairly valued. And then of course, over two is like overvalued in terms of buying fluff. What this market has done, though, is essentially try to take out longer duration stocks that have the majority of their earnings power into the future years because as we talk as interest rates go up of course amazon will have a higher ebitda uh, for sure than tesla next year let's say but of course tesla has higher growth potential so as an investor you have to look at that and go what do i care about because a lot of people like a apple right because it's a cash haven type of stock hmm. for them they go you know what like instead of me holding cash if i just hold apple yeah i might have some drawdown but they're going to buy back stock and you know what right. it's just kind of like a tech cash equivalent for me and Amazon can have that effect as well, although it's, there's some issues with their margins. Don't have to make this about Amazon. But Tesla is like a wild story. Like Tesla is like, um, you know, when your stock goes up by how much it has in the last two or three years, you're going to have this narrative of like, it's not sustainable. But the earnings have backed really what how Tesla has grown. Um, and yes, Tesla has to grow and continue to grow at the trajectory that we're talking about for them to continue to, to justify these values. What's your estimate of what the what's the peg ratio for Tesla today when the stock fell to the 150 mark? Yes. So actually I've gotten it pulled I've have it pulled up here. So our essentially our the first thing you want to look at actually is probably our and I'll pull up on the screen is our is our long-term earnings growth potential on Tesla. Tesla has continued to grow over 100% EPS year over year. Um, the question is, do they in the long haul, like let's say five or 10 years, is that sustainable? 100% might be a lot, even with Tesla's le operating leverage. You know, you can see here Tesla's EBITDA growth forward is at 66% at the moment. So if we it. talk about Tesla. Can you uh, can you uh, zoom in a little bit? Because I even sure. I can't see it. <laughs> Thank <Okay>. you. <laughs> right over here. Thank you. So 66.3% is Tesla's forward EBITDA growth. So if Tesla is sitting for simplicity stake, let's say Tesla uh, is sitting at 32-ish uh, PE, uh, that's about a 0.5 peg on Tesla, 60, wow. 35 or 30, 35 divided by. And I guess, I, again, this depends. You can talk about EBITDA growth. Maybe you care more about EPS growth in of itself, which is even higher, to be fair. They're projected to have diluted growth forward of 96%. Again, this is this speaks to Tesla's operating leverage. Their operating costs are not very high. So if they continue yeah. to sell another unit of uh, a, a, another unit of a Model 3 or Model Y, they have their fixed costs, uh, or they have their variable costs, but their fixed costs are still very low. Uh, R&D costs not that high. And so that's really the power of the operating leverage that Tesla has. So yeah. their peg is 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 very low. It's one of the lowest pegs, I think, that you can find in the NASDAQ, uh, to my knowledge. Let's say that again. You're saying that Tesla's is one of the lowest peg ratios in the NASDAQ right now. Well, especially forward, forward-looking, forward I would say. Pegs. 
Okay. And I remember her, I think it's interesting to say as well, like next year, we're going to see earnings growth across the board go down. And so when you see earnings growth across yeah. the board go down, yeah. uh, you really want to be positioned in a way, uh, you know, with your investments, maybe with a company that still will fare relatively well versus uh, <laughs> their peers. And the problem or the opportunity, I guess, here is that a lot of the street doesn't think that they don't think that Tesla will do well next year. They think, in fact, that Tesla will perform really? relatively weaker, uh, weaker versus their competitors. And so I guess that's what differentiates Tesla bulls from from Tesla bears is that they mm. think as the market gets weaker, aggregate demand continues to go down across the across the board. Tesla perform disproportionately worse, whereas I think. Uh, we all agree, probably watching this, that Tesla is going to perform uh, disproportionately better versus their peers. Sure. What's your estimate of earnings for 2023? Uh, between uh, EP, I think EPS non-gap maybe between eight to ten bucks. Okay. Uh, 2023. I think that's reasonable. What do you think the analyst estimates are on uh, average? I think the analyst estimates are between six and eight. I think eight is the high end of the of the street, to my knowledge, for 2023. Yeah. 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 So even with a six to eight, the peg ratio should still be under one, right? I mean, I don't know. I gotta. Well, the, I guess you gotta look at the EPS growth uh, or, or the EPS of this year as we get head into the next quarter. I think the high estimate for this quarter for EPS might be like a dollar seventy-five for fourth quarter uh, of this mm -hmm. year. And so, if you annual, let's say two bucks, annualize that, we get to we get to eight. Yeah. If the high end of the street is essentially annualizing quarter four and saying past this, we don't see growth. In fact, they're seeing negative growth, right? For what? for next year. That's that like someone has to be wrong here. That's either us and we think Tesla's gonna grow uh, and we think Tesla's gonna grow way more than they're actually gonna in terms of EPS or 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 they're wrong in terms of their their earnings growth. Someone has to be wrong here with the with the with the disproportionate with with a discretionary uh, point of view that we have on Tesla at the moment. It's quite quite heated. So tell me how it is possible <laughs> we're two bulls talking to each other. How is it possible that earnings is not going to grow next year? Is it is going to stay flat from Q4 or even go down? How's that possible? You're asking me to make a ba a bear case. Well, I would say gr negative gross margins out of Austin, Berlin. Negative gross Although, margins out of Austin, but we just heard that they're already we just at three thousand per week. They're yes. going to be at a five thousand per week next week. They're past mm -hmm. the issue huh. of losing millions of dollars per day. The, the I'm not sure on the amount of capitalization that still needs to be done out of each factory and how that will feed into the accounting lines. Uh, but we did hear that Aust that Berlin was officially not negative gross margins yeah. from sure. Tesla. Um, but who's to like, you're, I guess you're asking me to, to make a bear case and this, this would be it. Who's to say that sustains for the first year or year and a half as energy costs rise, it's hard to find labor, you know, that, that could be something that goes into it. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's at price decrease, perhaps I'm already forecasting prices to go down next year for Tesla's. Sure. Yes. Uh, and that's fine because they're still substantially higher than they used to be. And their costs have been driven down since then, uh, since end of 2020, since when we bought our model three, uh, it's like 10,000 Canadian dollars more to buy a model three today. Anyways, inflation reduction act is coming. I, I guess you're, 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 you're uh, you asked me to, to talk about the bear side, but I'm going back to the bull <laughs> side. It's, you know, inflation reduction act is coming in as well. So China, I guess on the bear side, you can talk about the China demand and aggregate sure. demand in China is coming down. BYD is pumping out okay. more cars, okay. but yeah, it's hard to see how Tesla doesn't grow past 
fourth okay. quarter EPS this year. Understood yeah. now. Understood now. So, I mean, obviously we are taking for granted that as bulls, so we're going to hit 50% growth. Uh, and then, but there's a lot of skepticism still. Competition's mm-hmm. coming. China's going to be affected. Uh, you're going to have to reduce your prices. Um, and then there's this notion that it's already built in, that Tesla mm. stock price at the $500 billion market cap it's already built in for some amount of growth for next year. And that's where people are saying that, well, you know, if you don't hit your 50% growth and you only hit 40% growth, it's friggin' 40% growth, but the stock will get hammered because it was built in. Hmm. There is a degree of that for sure. I mean, of course, Tesla has growth built in. If Tesla had no growth, growth built in, it would just be the NPV of what they sold this year, right? Um, of course, but that's any tech stock. Tech stocks will have EPA, will have earnings baked in. The question is, do they have too much baked in? Because remember, a multiple is how many years worth of earnings do you want to pay for? And you know, you could point at historical legacy auto companies and go, oh, you pay for six or seven years worth of earnings um, uh, per year off of GM or Ford or whatever. But remember, they're not growing as well. So you're paying for for the future growth of those earnings and therefore you're paying a higher multiple for it. But I like to look at 2025, 2026. I like to look out, you know, four or five years from today and project back the net present value of Tesla's, of Tesla as an auto company only and their earnings and their margin and 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 their EPS from there to now and discount that because I think 2030 is a bit far-fetched. I see some people talk about 2030 and though I get really excited talking about it, it's just it's just a lot harder to factor in stuff like robo taxis, stuff like Tesla bot, stuff like stuff like energy where there's just 8 9 years worth of like, you know, we so much can happen in, in 8 or 9 years, right? So, I think three or uh, four or five years 2026 looking back uh, to today is kind of what I look at and discounting to just get the value of the auto business. Okay. And we're going to go through your forecast in detail shortly. So before we go there, thank you for showing me the Ford PE versus the revenues. <laughs> I told you already, I love Ford PE. That's what we should all be always talking about. I can't stand trailing. <laughs> thank you. Now, um, can you show me how does Tesla as a company compare in its uh, you know market cap projections against other companies? Yeah, I I pulled up Amazon here. We're, we're chatting about Amazon. Amazon is currently a nine hundred billion dollar market cap company, um, and I've pulled up all the stock prices here. So if you want to check it out, of course, Amazon had their uh, recent split. And Amazon, by the way, just to highlight, is down about fifty percent year to date. Tesla's down sixty two. Right. But if you look at Amazon's forward, because remember that's what we care about, forward earnings potential, and you look at their EBITDA growth for next year, uh, really they're only slated to grow again like about thirteen maybe 15% for being generous for next year. So Amazon trading at $900 billion um, with a current trailing PE, just for a second, of 81 sitting on uh, um, sitting on Amazon. And forward PE, actually, in fact, negative because they're projecting a negative earnings growth for next year. Um, it's uh, Or negative uh, uh, earnings for next year, uh, net income. But if you look at just the disproportionate valuation of Amazon versus Tesla, it, it's it's a real head scratcher. A $900 billion for a company that is slated to grow earnings only about 15% next year. Um, so, and in fact, uh, if you look at the margins, the EBITDA margins for, this is for Amazon, they're about 10.2%. And the really gross part of this is that they are declining and flatlining. Whereas if you look at Tesla and their EBITDA margins, they're continuing to rise as cost efficiencies come from stuff like the 4680s or gigacastings, new age factories, 
new new uh, you know we, we saw tom zoo actually hit up giga austin this week probably talking about engineering uh practices and trying to up their production uh there as well so we see that tesla's mar their ebitda margins are on the up and to the right, whereas Amazon is declining, flatlining. Their forward growth is slated to be very different. Tesla's is, and I showed you before, Tesla's forward um, growth is between you know 60 to 100% forward growth. So, and Tesla trades at currently, as we talk, I want to get this right, $475 billion worth of a market cap. Yeah. So pretty much okay. half the price for uh, Tesla versus buying Amazon stock today, despite the growth. So why is this? Why is this? We, we all know this. We all know that Tesla has fundamentals that are through the roof better than all the other FANG stocks. And yet uh, they wouldn't get investment grade credit rating. They're, they're not getting their uh, due because they're still in a wait and see mode, right? And yet they've already did across the board quarter after quarter record revenue record growth and yet every time you do that they still say well show me next quarter show me next quarter well what why is this i think it's unprecedented you don't really see automakers come out like this mm -hmm. um go from where tesla was at when you know you had negative gross margins disgusting net income loss after loss and then turn the tide as quick and how hard Tesla has in the last few years, you, you just don't see that happen. And mm. when you do, the immediate reaction from Wall Street institutions is, this is a one-off. This is not going to be sustainable. And I get the cynicism because before I drove in a Tesla, it didn't really make sense to me, but I kind of had that Apple moment, which made me like get, okay, well, I get the product speaks for itself. And I'm very careful with that because just because a company has good products doesn't mean it's a good investment, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to find where those two mesh sometimes. Uh, but I think for the most part for GM, like these companies um, have really low PEs, like they don't trade at huge multiples. And so if you are very, um, if you look at this very directly, you just go Tesla car company, Ford car company should trade at say multiples. If they're not, something's wrong here whereas if you look at tesla they have more like tech margins right they're headed towards that direction that kind of apples like the, the 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 high class version of where tesla wants to be with their margins in the next few years next five ten years and i think they get there with their software uh, aspect but as soon as you change out the internal combustion engine for an electric um a motor i think what changes is, is also the software and the mm. margin ability with software and we don't even have to get into stuff like uh, the App Store because we can talk about FSD, even selling it where it is today, or stuff like um, you know Dojo and selling that as a service with the supercomputing. Um, these type of things are, are margin enhancing and show Tesla's operating leverage as we move forward, I think. So as a bull, what is your PE that you think that Tesla's fair, fair, a fair PE? And you can tell me both Trailing and Ford. Yeah. Sure. I I would say long, well, Tesla doesn't guide, but they say, look, we're projecting for a long-term CAGR of 50%. And I think if you look at the PE and you, if you want a fair valued stock, you want a peg of one. So that would, you would assume a PE of 50 as well. Um, but it, to be fair, it makes sense in terms of when you look at that PE, because for example, I have on my, on my modeling here with Tesla PE at 50 EPS growth at 50% as well gets you a peg at 50. But this is in particular for end of 2025, 2026. So discounting that back from then. 
as we sit here today, a PE of 50 with EPS growth of over 100% is a peg of 0.5. So it's quite undervalued. So depending on the year you ask me, I think that'll depend. Because if you ask me in 2030, I don't think in 2030, Tesla should justify 100 PE at that point, unless they hit a new growth curve uh, from 2030 and beyond on their auto business, because at that point, they'll be substantially higher in unit volumes. And it's hard to grow unit volumes at 50% in perpetuity for, for cars. It's just, you know, you get to kind of a, a ceiling point at a yeah. certain point. So I'm asking you for a P today, right now. I'd say between, I would say between 75, 100, that's kind of their what? EPS. I mean, that's low, but remember yields are also at 4%. Um, so I'd say between 75, 100, forward would make sense considering their eps growth is slated to be about that much what is your uh, estimate of what the price should be today if it's fairly valued based on that pe that you just said right now what is youth what do you think the tesla price should be well th here's the thing what i think the market will do and what i think what will happen is quite different. So if you ask me what I think the market will do, I think for, I think 75 to 100 is probably what the market will deem as fair. Uh, as we talk right now, it's 35. So of course, you're it's like P. half of that, right? Yeah, you're talking P. Um, I'm talking, I'm talking I, I think, price I think right now. I think you're right muted. Yeah. I think you're muted there. Oh. I'm muted? Oh, yeah, you're back. I don't know okay. why. Sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, you're, you're talking P. Uh, I'm talking price. So tell me what price you think the stock is right now. So based... I have my model based on 5 million cars in 2026, which I know might be low. 5 million cars in 2026 at a 47,000 ASP, 20% margins, and a 50 PE then. Discounted back at about a 14% discount rate. I could walk through all this. Yeah, let's um, go ahead and do that. So, Okay, sure. So one thing I want to highlight is this is my model. I This is my playing model. So whenever I get an idea in terms of like, what would happen if this happened in my model? I plug it in. So this is kind of the last state that I left it in. Um, deliveries, I think that's the first thing to talk about. Tesla sure. is slated, uh, Tesla talks about 50% growth. I don't think Tesla will continue to grow at 50% past a certain point. I think at a certain point, they probably hit a cap in terms of where they can grow. So I have about until 2027, and then I have a 30% growth past that. But I look at 2025, 2026. In 2025, I have projected about 4.7 million cars for Tesla. In 2026, that's a big jump to 7.17. So just for the sake of being a little bit conservative, let's say on this model, I have just 5 million cars sold in 2026. It's just kind of a baseline to look at. And their revenue based on $47,000 uh, per car ASP. Currently, I think ASP is a little bit over 50,000. So coming down a little bit. I have about $235 billion of revenue, $47 billion with a profit. And again, that's with 20% margins. And then with the 50 PE, because again, I have 50 PE growth baked in for, for EPS growth for a peg of one. I have the market cap in 2025, 2026, uh, around $2.35 uh, $15 EPS, let's say 2025, 2026. Um, now, 
the issue is a dollar in 2025 is not worth a dollar uh, today, especially with the discounting that we see. So my discount rate I have in this model is about 14%. And that's a combination of the 4% yield-free, uh, uh, risk-free yield and a 10% risk factor. This is quite subjective. Like this is your hurdle rate of what you would deem as a good investment. Um, and you discount that back. Yeah. So a discounted market cap based on just, the, remember, this is just the car business and it has all of my assumptions on the left factories 4680 scale margin improves demand sustains no robo taxis no energy no major stock dilution i have a, a market cap discounted back about 1.4 uh, with this many outstanding shares 3.16 billion that's about the value today of 440 dollars uh, per share Okay. I love this. So when you say 5 million cars in 2026, and you've kind of explained to us that that's actually, you actually went and made it a little bit more conservative, more realistic, not, not just assuming 50% growth every year. Uh, but in order to get to 5 million cars, would they not, some people are saying, need to build beyond the Model 3, Model Y? What's your thinking there? It's the Cybertruck will eat up a lot of units. Um, units yeah. in yeah, because I I look at the Cybertruck as opening up a new pool of Tesla uh, customers. Because today I think it's probably fair to say you can probably pick out the Tesla owner in the group um, if you were given like a, a random sampling of people. But I think the general contractor, electrician, plumber type of 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 person that currently has to buy pickup trucks, Ford F-150s, uh, that sort of person uh, will be additive to the to the Tesla pool of customers as we move forward. So I think they can grow unit volumes. And I think Model Y will eat up probably the majority of this chunk um, of this five-ish million, two or three million, I, I think Model Ys. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think Tesla has the current mix with Cybertruck to be able to hit these numbers. Okay. You could make the argument Yashu to get to 20 million in 2030 or 10, 15, that's when you're going to have to introduce the compact. And I think that's probably fair. I think I heard even yeah, um, Elon saying that Model 3, Model Y would probably top out at 3.5 million. Uh, together? Yep. Yeah. So 1.5 Cybertruck by 2025, 2026, I think is probably reasonable. Good point. So when let's go back to your assumptions there. Let's focus on, can you make that larger so people can see it? And um, so, you know, clearly you said no robo-taxi, no energy, uh, no stock dilution. Okay, that's straightforward. Um, but then you said factories and 4680 scale. Are you building in um, the thought, is this just existing factories that we have? Or can it, does it have to require additional factories in order to build the 5 million? I think at that point, we'd probably want to see uh, at least another factory or two um, already uh, at least one more factory up there have been some debate that you don't need to um because you can expand current giga shanghai 2.0 mm -hmm. austin is huge you can continue to build in austin you don't really need mm -hmm. to you just need the supplies and berlin is huge as well but you know i think probably one more factory probably is what you need there um because if you because it's not just getting to this amount of unit volume, I think it's about getting to this unit volume and still thinking, oh yeah, Tesla can continue to grow from here because they have the capacity. Because if you get to this unit volume and you go, okay, Tesla's capped out, then that doesn't really fare well for for the multiple that Tesla would get either. Yeah. And then um yeah, so you're saying that you based on this analysis, looking at 2026, backtracking it down, um, 
the price of the stock should be theoretically at $440 today. That is uh, way more than all-time high. Yeah, what is all-time like 400 something bucks? $400, so, yeah, 407 or 415 like that, yeah. bucks. Yeah. Yeah, and again, these are my assumptions. I love to talk about my assumptions, but I always always tell people throw in yours and see what you think i've talked to people and they're like oh yeah like my hurdle right my weighted average cost capital is nothing less than 17 percent and you know i don't think tesla could do five million cars i think tesla only does three million cars i was listening to to uh, cnbc today's tony saganacci from berenstein and he thinks yeah. 2025 tesla does 3.2 million cars so throwing in your own assumptions um i think probably the 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 wildest assumption I would have here that I would agree uh, that I would agree with Tesla bulls versus Tesla bears is my margin, because at these unit volumes to have this sort of margin is like unheard of, because you know it's very capex heavy uh, the auto business and and with Tesla's like I'm really banking on Tesla's operating leverage with this type of margin yield, and so I think that's probably the biggest one, um, because I think ASPs are probably with inflation going to be in and around there anyways. I was going to say that your margin is way too conservative. I mean, if you consider the <laughs> t uh, some some amount of FSD take rate, that's pure margin. Yes, I actually model FSD a little bit separately. Um, I model uh, and I have it here and I can show you. I have all the deliveries that Tesla does until 2030, 2031. I have it in a fleet of cars, so 77 million cars, let's say by 2030. And then I do an assumption, a software, a SaaS-based assumption on, on ARR, and I discount that back from 2030. So when I said I don't like to discount back from 2030, that only, that uh, I'm kind of breaking my rules here and doing it for FSD, because I think FSD does require that type of timeline um, you know, to be conser ultra conservative with. So... With FSD, I will model it here with a take rate of 50%. 85% of cars don't have FSD package on them. And I only have $199 on it. I have a low PE. I have a high margin, though. It's kind of like the AWS type of uh, margin. Because you know, with Amazon, the majority of their income is not AWS, but the majority of their net income is AWS related. And that's exactly. because it's all software. So yes. this is not Dojo. This is just FSD that I'm talking about. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of yeah. model that separately, I'd say. Nice. Okay. And so that's that. Sorry, you separated. So it's not part of the 440. That's a separate thing that you're playing with, right? Separate thing I'm playing with. Uh, you could make the argument that, Yash, how much of the ASP is baked? Uh, how much of this ASP has FSD packages baked in? And I don't think Tesla sells very many FSD packages even today worldwide. Like, I don't think it's a huge percentage. And I think well, it'll continue 15%. to go down. It's going to go up. I think it might down. be. Well, I think subscription will go up. That's the thing. I, I don't. I, I think uh, as Tesla continues oh, to increase, I'm sorry. yeah. So You're correct. Yeah. So I, I think I gotcha. the the one time package won't be baked into the ASP as no. much as we move forward. Not anymore. Correct. Uh, yeah. We're going to move to the subscription, but the margin. That's where I'm saying that. Okay, <laughs> it's pure margin. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, essentially, yes, and that's kind of the beauty of of Tesla's business, and you know that's kind of also saying margin stays pretty stagnant from where it is, from where yeah. it is today, even with forty six eighties and giga castings. Okay, well, you're yet another bull with another forecast with good numbers. You're actually pretty reasonable. You're not way out there. I think four forty for twenty twenty two is actually not terrible because you know at the beginning of this year we all thought we were all estimating. Right, well, fifteen hundred price would be at fifteen hundred divided by three. Pre -split. So we are right, yeah, yeah. pre-split. So we're like a five hundred. So you're pretty well there. 
And um, we will get to how, well, why don't we get there now? Which is, you know, show me how Tesla stock fared against the macro. Mm. Uh, S&P. This is a, yeah, against the, uh, well. the, the, the broad tech, uh, large mega cap companies, which you kind of did with mm -hmm. Amazon, right? But go ahead and show me the stock itself, how it fared. It's funny because this is a hot topic. We were talking about it before because of the recent drawdown, the Twitter noise that's happening. Um, but I think it's easy to lose the forest for the trees and I'll, I'll at least try to uh, paint a picture. Whatever narrative you have, I'll, 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 I'll sell you on it. Watch. <laughs> so if you believe... If you believe this is entirely macro driven, right? Okay. You essentially would come in and you would go, okay, what has the NASDAQ done year to date? You pull up the NASDAQ, it's down about 31%. I, I can't see your screen. Can you please make it bigger? How's that? Better. Thank you. <laughs> so the NASDAQ, uh, oh, hold on, let me just test. So year to date, okay, let's talk okay. just January 1st to today, pretty much one year away. NASDAQ is down 31%. So if you're a believer that this is entirely macro driven, you would essentially look at Tesla's stock price and you go, oh, that's a beta of two. That's a multiplier of right. two. And now, by the way, where am I getting that from? I pull up Zach's beta here. Tesla's beta versus uh, tech stocks, S&P 500 ETFs like uh, QQQ is about 1.91, let's say mm. two, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. a multiplier of two. And so if the NASDAQ is down 31%, you'd expect Tesla to be down about 62%. And mm. voila, it pretty much is in line with its beta. Now, okay. if you Pause hate Twitter. Okay, yes. <laughs> just one second. I'm sorry. Because just today, Elon, or is it yesterday, Elon tweeted saying that it's the Fed that has caused, the, it's the macro that is causing mm. the Tesla stock to fall. And people mm. are going, it's not just the macro. There was an estimate that people are saying that two thirds of the Tesla stock price was associated with the the, the, the macro and then a third is really pure elon's antics with twitter but you're mm -hmm. saying you know any story can be told here's a story you're telling right now is that right and this is based on year-to-date data right because yeah. if if you want if 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 i'm elon i look at the year today and i go look guys it's essentially a beta of two off the nasdaq right why are you blaming me now if you hate twitter right like a lot of people do <laughs> okay you come you come to the last month okay and you go one month from today, tra trailing 30 days, and you go, well, Elon, NASDAQ's down 3.7%. We should expect Tesla to be down maybe 8% at most, yet Tesla is down 18% in the last 30 days. How can you tell me that that's macro? And so you have this interesting dichotomy of, of investors where depending on where you want to set the bar, you can paint the picture however you want. Now, I'm in the camp where I think it's about 70-30. I think 70% macro, 30% Twitter noise and Elon selling. No doubt there's been weakness uh, in the last week with Elon actually selling shares and Form 4 is being filed. Um, but it really depends because if you look, for example, Microsoft's even up in the last 30 days. Uh, Amazon's down about 7%. Apple is down actually way more than it should be. It's down about 10%. So um, even if you did six months, I think the Twitter debacle, you could argue, even started like six months ago is when like the mm -hmm. original purchasing mm -hmm. uh, yeah. timeline was. In that six-month timeline, the NASDAQ is flat and Tesla is down 30%. There you go. So you, so you can't really say that this is entirely macro well, if your reference point is six months. Yeah. Let me show you my thinking of what happened in my mind, right? Was that in the beginning of the year, we had the tech, uh, Tesla stock at the all-time high, 
right? We were all very, very excited. And what was it, January, mid-January, February? Right, and uh, right then, at the beginning of the year, yeah. Right, beginning of the year. We were all very excited. Things were looking great for us. Now, the stock started to fall, but because of the economy, right? The macro, inflation, the war, COVID, uh, shutdowns, all these things happened. Mm -hmm. But I felt good. Why did I feel good? Because I, my investments are in Apple and in Tesla. And, in the, in the big, and then um, I did move sometime last year, some of my Apple into Tesla. And so I'm looking at that going, okay, how has my decision to move to Tesla from Apple fared? Mm -hmm. And what I've been watching was every company got hammered for the first nine months of this year. And many of them are self-inflicted, right? Um, we're talking Google, uh, Meta, Facebook is just totally just imploded, right? Amazon. Yeah. Everybody got hammered, except for two companies, Apple and Tesla. They were faring very well into September. And right. I don't know if it was, I think it was around September. And, mm -hmm. and I was going, okay, so hey, Macro hit everybody, but at least not so much Apple and Tesla. We're doing okay, even though we saw the stock fall. But in the last two months, Tesla fell big time. And why? Mm. Because of Twitter purchase. He actually purchased it. He actually owned it. And things are starting to be tweeted and controversy and all that happening. So like you said, it's how you look at it from beginning of the year to now. But really, I think we diverged from the Apple, you know, the strength of an Apple. Uh, around two months ago. I don't think Tesla will ever have the strength of an Apple uh, in the next few years because T Apple implements heavy buyback programs. Like they yes. buy back like 20, yeah. $25 billion every quarter of stock. Yes, it, It's a lot. So that really sets a good floor for investors. Like that's why they look at it kind of a cash equivalent with how much buybacks they even do. But you're right. Um, now here's here's my nuanced take on this. Tesla was doing relatively strong up until, let's say, three or four months ago. And then the Twitter noise got to Tesla and brought it to the macro. Now, if Tesla was not faring well the entire year and was faring just as badly as expected with the two times beta, would Twitter, would the, would the Twitter noise have brought Tesla way worse okay. than the NASDAQ? Mm. And, and I think you can make a case of that. I, that's probably what I believe is that we were lucky that Tesla was faring as well as it had, and it had kind of a relative lead versus its peers for the majority of the year. And then because of what happened with the Twitter noise and Elon having to sell and institutional kind of just uh, uh, boycotting a little bit of Tesla purchasing for now, uh, it brought it back to where you could still make the argument that it's at where it should be. But any worse than here, relatively speaking, is, I think, directly attributable to Twitter and the noise there. It is. Okay. So do you, um, how do you feel about Tesla at this point? Tell me about like what fundamentals you're looking at. Is it, is this, is it temporary? This, the, the, what we just talked about, right? In the last two months, the stock got hit hard. Is it permanent? Because it's a brand reflection is people's moral compass. They're refusing. Although mm -hmm. we don't think we, I, I think few of us think that it's actually impacting the demand right now there's concern maybe that might impact the demand in the future and there's a debate most people actually think that it's a temporary thing right it's like a you know volkswagen mm. had their big emissions scandal and you thought that they were done right. for and no they're fine right. everybody's fine forgot about it. 
is this with the same scenario? As soon as he brings on a CEO, CEO of Twitter, which he's probably very likely going to do in three to six months, um, this will all be forgotten. Or, uh, yes, is it, is it a temporary thing? Or do you think that uh, something fundamental has shifted? It's, in my opinion, it's a temporary thing. It will pass. It's just the flavor du jour. Um, uh, it will pass for sure. I don't think, substantially speaking, there's a demand issue on Tesla because of this. But I do think, in the same vein, it's very revealing how Tesla handled it. And I don't think they handled it. And I use this as almost an exercise of, it's like a stress test for Tesla investor relations, Tesla board. We didn't hear any communication with the drawdowns. We didn't get any investor sentiment. And that's technically, you could argue, is not their job to just you know cuddle investors all day. But we didn't hear any communication aspect on it. People, there was CEO outsting rumors of like Tom Zhu taking over. Didn't hear any denials of that. It's just, I think it was more telling that, hey, maybe there's something that could be done to better this for next time. Not complaining, but I'm saying we could all be better. And so can Tesla as a company with their communications. Um, because I don't think this is the last storm Tesla will ever face. Far from it. That's just the name of Tesla, right? Tesla is all about tra uh, you know uh, uh, blazing trails. And so as we look at the way it was handled, I don't think it was handled with the utmost communication. Um, but I don't think it'll have a demand effect yet. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's good. And then, so what? When you look at Tesla, look at any company. What are the fundamentals you look at? Do you you obviously believe Tesla is a good investment right now? And what's the reason? Yeah, I do. For me, um, I look at first thing is are the unit economics. Do the unit economics make sense? Are do you have enough margin as you scale? Uh, do you have enough operating leverage? Uh, are, are you just leaking money? Like, are you making money on the gross margin, but you're spending so much money on the bot on the operating costs, SG&A, uh, marketing, whatever it be to, to get these units out? It's not the case with Tesla. But then I think beyond the unit economics is the total addressable market. How big can this thing really be? And when you talk about Tesla, you talk less of, I think of it less as car and more as energy and battery. That's really what it is because cars are just by the way of how the battery tech implements itself in the physical world. But it's really the battery tech because that can be replaced into anything mega packs, solar, cars, uh, who knows one day, VTOL. I, you know, you, I guess we can all dream. Uh, so I look at the, I look at the TAM and I go, it's hard to find another company with a greater TAM and the unit economics that Tesla already has and the operating leverage that Tesla has. Now, of course, I'm very careful to say like Tesla has that the brunt of its work ahead of it. You know, by no means is this in the bag, but that's also the opportunity, right? The risk is the opportunity in a sense, because if someone's going to do it, I believe that Tesla team, the Tesla engineering team, uh, the Tesla team as a whole, 100,000 plus strong, are going to be the company if this is going to if the world is going to assist, uh, go to to, uh, to sustainable transportation and energy tesla is the team to do it and if there is a uh, like a hard deadline what's a better deadline than a government banning ga uh, gas cars and saying you can't sell any more gas cars what's a better and you can argue about free market theory we can have this debate later but you know if a government comes out and says in california 2035 yeah you're not allowed to sell any more gas cars in canada as a country uh, they're banned 2035 and on 
that's a terminal date for a lot of companies to be like, we can't print any more money starting from this date. What are we going to do from between now and 12 years from now? And so Tesla is already positioned to take over that in 12 years from now. I think the lead just gets larger and larger. But selfishly speaking, Herbert, I say this a lot. I really wish there is a competitor to Tesla that pops up in the next few years because, first of all, it's just better for EV adoption. But there would be no Apple if there was no Samsung. The the fighting the 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 worst thing that can happen is 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 resting on your laurels and having a monopolistic environment with electric vehicles. You want the you want the fighting. You want the stealing of engineers between each other. You want you know that kind of play that, that kind of uh, playmanship between those two companies to fight for a better car, better tech, better everything. And sadly, as we sit here and we talk, I don't see who is second uh, by country mile uh, uh, towards Tesla and, and EVs. So, so yeah, uh, bottom line for, for me is hard to find a better um, company uh, to talk about to in the next 15 years than, than Tesla. Wonderful. You made me remember something that I, was, I learned as a startup uh, founder myself, that we were taught that if I ask you the question, which is the most important for a company, right? Is it market? Is it product? Or is it the team? Hmm. So when, when you ask that question, people sometimes will say, it's the team. The team makes most all the difference. Others will say, no, it's actually the product, right? You, you started off by saying it's the unit economics of the product, then it's a TAM. <clears throat> the actual answer for that particular analysis was that it's actually the market. Because if you are in a, in a business that is in a growing, fast-growing, massive market that's just changing the world, it doesn't matter if you have a bad team, it doesn't matter if you have a, a mediocre product, you will still rise up in a tie and succeed. That was mm -hmm. what I learned. But then when you were talking, it made me reflect and realize that, well, making cars is very difficult. The unit economics is, is not easy, right? It's prototypes are mm -hmm. easy, but actually producing a friggin' car, it's impossible. It's very difficult. And, and we're looking at these competitors struggling really hard from the pure EVs of which Tesla did. <clears throat> they almost died. Right. This is Tesla. They right. almost died. Um, mm -hmm. And then these uh, OEMs, they can't, as far as I'm aware, not. I don't know if any other electric vehicle manufacturer is able to have a profitable product at this point, except for Tesla. So mm -hmm. it's hard. And so in that scenario, it's they've got to, they, you have to be able to produce a product at a profitable before you could even take advantage of a growing market true so i appreciate yes, what you because, just said there but yeah yeah because you can't scale negative gross margins it's just you know i mean you Scaling can way. if you get government subsidies out the wazoo and you continue to have them in perpetuity which by the way is definitely a case that we can talk about as something that might happen but you're right it's, you can't scale a, a, a dud it's just not possible Okay, so the, you know, the reason I'm invested in Tesla is because of the TAM. Um, you know, the electric vehicle, um, uh, the, the revolution of the EV uh, industry is clear at this point. And I made the bet before it happened. We're all realizing now that it has happened. And now right. you've sold 2 to 3% of the market. And this is where we're at. Our, let's say our TAM, our, our market cap is at $500 billion. And it doesn't matter because we're just at two or three percent. And even even if competition comes and we get to eighteen, fifteen, or twenty percent because the competition take over the rest, well, we still have a ten xer, you know. Um, so that's a real potential. Is there any uh, product that you feel strongly about about Tesla's uh, in twenty twenty 
three that's coming up that you think is going to be a real game changer to the margin, to the business, to why you're investing hmm. now? I'm I'm debating between talking about Compact and Cybertruck. I'm not going to talk about Compact or RoboTaxi, if you want to call it that, just because I guess we're, I'm, we're, I think we're all kind of tired about talking about products that are still pre-order. But I'll talk about Cybertruck, assuming that it gets delivered next year. Like I said, I think Cybertruck opens up a whole new pool of people to Tesla, not just mm -hmm. Tesla investors. Like, forget about that, because I think people a lot, like I was an investor second. Of, of, I used the product first. I know for a lot of people, it's the opposite way. Yeah. But the Cybertruck in and of itself is going to be epic because, first of all, you talk about Tesla marketing. Should Tesla spend money on ads? Just go drive a Cybertruck. The more Cybertrucks that are going to be out on the road, everyone is going to be staring at this thing, asking questions, memeing yeah. it. It's going to be all over social media, TikTok, whatever. And on top of that, the utility aspect of a pickup, you just have so much more potential. In a consumer car, and I call Cybertruck a non-consumer for this example, but a consumer car, you have like camping capabilities, you have dog mode, like it's cool. But in, in a pickup truck, the amount of of um, talk that it's going to get in the general contracting community, oh, I could charge all my tools here. Um, I could stay in the back here. I could camp this out. I'm an off-gridder. Um, you know, it, like it's just endless. Uh, you know, talk about VPP opportunities later. It's just endless in terms of talking about the Cybertruck, and it's going to be to a new pool of people, which I'm really excited about. It's not the same. It's not serving me, right? Like I'm not a pickup. Uh, I'm not a pickup driver. Uh, I know people that are, and they're very staunchly against EVs. They say, you know, they say EVs are never going to work. I don't want to be stranded, you know, in the middle of nowhere and I have to charge my battery. And did you know everything's already run by coal? And you know, why are you running an EV? It's just coal-based anyways. Might as well put gas in your car. Those people are who I think about when I think about Cybertruck and converting a portion of those to be pro EV. Um, the Ford F one fifty Lightning's kind of already done that to a degree, and I think good for them for actually getting that car out. But the Cybertruck actually presents opportunities for Tesla because they don't mess around. When they're going to actually deliver cars, they do it at scale. If they're not going to do it at scale, they just don't even deliver it for the most part. Uh, at least that's what history has told us in the last three or four years. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the, the, the first challenge I thought it was, it was going to be, your, you, I mentioned at the beginning where you have an interest in converting people to an electric vehicle. I feel like that has already happened, right? So even with all the car manufacturers doing Super Bowl ads, uh, mm. telling them to buy an EV, they, that's what made them realize, I need to buy an EV, not a nice car anymore. I think that that decision's been made, especially with the gas prices skyrocketing. Then right. it becomes which EV, and that's when they research and they find Tesla as one of the options, one of the better options. But like you said, also, you got converted because you actually had uh, your butt in a seat, uh, seats, right? Seats, <laughs> butts in seats. And you actually yes. sat in a Tesla and you realize, oh my God, this is great. Not only to buy the car, but also to invest in the company. And what I look at is that today, we, I think we have only 3 million Tesla cars in the world. Yeah, a little bit over. And yeah. we're going to be doubling that, you know, next year. And then... Again, right? Same amount the following year, mm -hmm. and all. And so, when when that goes out, and like you said, with the Cybertruck being even so much, might everybody will cannot like right now. You drive and you'll see cars flying. You don't know. Well, that, I think that's a Tesla. Maybe not. <laughs> this is no doubt. That's a Cybertruck. What the hell yeah, is that? Exactly. Like so, people. I I think people know 
that electric vehicles is a car to buy, but they don't know Tesla. They really don't. It's surprisingly, we think they think they name they know the name Elon, they know the name Tesla, but they don't think they really know what the car is. Many people will yes. say, "Oh yeah, yeah, what that? It's just an iPad in wheels. Not a big deal. They just slapped an iPod. What's the big deal?" Until they sit in and they drive it, then they realize how much better it is. Um, and so anyway, so there's a combination of that. There's a combination of uh, you know uh, more and more of these lifts and Ubers driving it, Hertz mm. driving it, and people getting in. The Cybertruck will be a game changer. So that will the word of mouth will just spread so bigly. Um, big, yeah, yeah. You're exactly. I think the you're right. I went to Dallas in 2020 uh, right before COVID hit. And I was talking, uh, I was passing by, I think a supercharger station there. And I overheard a conversation of people uh, saying like, like, what is a Tesla? Like people had no idea what these superchargers were. And I just had one of those moments where I was like, people don't even know um, yeah. that this car, ex like what it is. Like, like I think it, to be fair, these were older people. They were like, like, what is a supercharging station? Like, wh wh like what's a Tesla? And I was like, I live in such a bubble for me to... You know, and and I think we all do to a degree, of course, right? We we live in this bubble of Tesla, but it's like you're you're right. The world is vast, and it's going to open up to a whole new group of people that are going to start asking questions when this unique design of a truck is passing you on the highway, going twice as fast as you and making no sound. So, <laughs> what's your uh, estimate of uh, Cybertruck? Is it still on track in June 2023? You feel confident about that, or? Do I feel confident about Cybertruck? Never. Um, but I would say middle of next year, uh, for sure. I, I kind of originally set my bar for fall of this year. And that yeah. was last year. And I was like, guys, I'll be upset if fall of if fall of this year we don't have a Cybertruck delivery. And then as kind of Omicron hit and just general market fluctuations, I was like, all right, fine. I guess we'll go into next year. And I think Sawyer is reporting by middle of next year for sure is kind of what they're... And the GigaPress is already installed, right? Is what I heard in Austin. So, you know, fingers crossed for that. And when Tesla, like I said, when Tesla starts to deliver, they don't do it for a for like a small port. Like they really start to scale. Uh, you know, we saw what the Model Y is. And to be fair, it was just an extension of the, of, of the three line. But we saw what the Model Y is, how fast once there's... Once they're starting to churn these cars out, how fast? I remember when I saw the first Model Y in Vancouver, I was like, oh, it's a Model Y. It's the first time I've ever seen one. I was like, this is crazy. And then three months later, I can't go anywhere without seeing a Model Y everywhere. So yeah. it's uh, it's it's going to be fast. Yeah, I'm actually pretty optimistic. I think it's going to be coming out. Maybe not, if it doesn't come out in June, it will still be in 2023. Um, yep. They're just, I think there's rumors now that there's 30 Cybertrucks that's already out. Um, you know, maybe it's manually built. But you saw the the giga casting, you know, the leaked giga yeah. casting. Yep. And it's supposed to be easier to make. So while it, you mm. know, and they've been and they had a couple of years now, like they were, they they had to delay it. So it just feels like, I think this time it's probably on track. It'll it'll come out. Um, I have actually a prediction also for the uh, the Robo Taxi and the Model Three. I think it's okay. going to be based on the Cybertruck. Uh, uh, mm platform you know mm. because it's gonna be single casting uh i don't know so if it's gonna be steel version? yeah but it's gonna be it's not if i had to guess i would not say that it's gonna be based on the model 3 model y platform i think it's gonna be it's gonna be modular uh and it's gonna be based on it just makes sense to me that they they you know the reason why they made the cyber truck was they went back to the roots first principles exoskeleton no paint you can put your own, and a single casting, 
I think that that's what they're going to do. So what's your, mm, any guesses I, on that? I like that idea. No, I like that. I like that because the cost, the margin should be higher on that substantially eventually, right? So the cost to deliver, it has to be lower. Half the price is what they said with half the cost. And if you're already building the Cybertruck, why wouldn't you just use that? Nah, who knows? Anyways. And I think though, the only issue with that is timeline. I think they probably want to start delivering Cybertrucks, see them for a year or two, how everything goes, and then pivot into that. They probably wouldn't do it simultaneously right away. I see. But it, isn't it so exciting that we're even talking about all this stuff and the growth potential? And like, you know, you could talk about Apple. Like, what is it? No offense. I love Apple. I'm an Apple fanboy. But what is Apple doing right now other than like the VR headset that they're trying to copy off Meta? Like, it, the ability for us to talk about all this sort of stuff with robo taxis, FSD, solar, energy just makes Tesla such, such a unique company. Well, this is where I'm going to change what I said about 10 minutes ago. Remember, we talked about market, product, or team. Yes. So the a massive market is very uh, can can raise the vote for a mediocre team and a mediocre product. That's what the concept was, right? But if you have an extraordinary team that is innovative, that is the most innovative ever the history has ever seen, it doesn't matter what market or what product because a team can make any market, any product at any time, yes. and that's what these guys are showing. They, uh, you know, I keep saying recently that two years ago. We did not know that Tesla was going to get into robots. We did not know that they were going to do mining. These were brand mm. new, massive markets uh, that just was introduced. And here we are. <laughs> we're talking about it. And so two years from now, there'll be yet new markets, uh, probably VTOL or the uh, short haul flights. I think he talked about um, uh, electric boats. What if he had those massive ships or, you know... <laughs> uh, that's yeah, why H-Mart. that's why the batteries is the batteries are the derivative of everything, right? That's the that's core. If you can solve that and get the highest battery density and then get good efficiency with your design, that's all you need. That's that's it. So yeah. Now, and you know what's interesting as well is that um you talk about the team, uh you talk about making the market. I think Steve Jobs said this. He said, you know, people worry about meeting demand with their products, like, but no one talks about making a market with your products. And that's wow. really like the next that's the next leg of any of any generational companies. Like you don't care about the market. You say, I'm going to make the market for this. And I think that's what Apple did amazingly. So. Yashu, what? I'm an Apple fan boy. I know everything about Steve Jobs. I don't remember that. That's brilliant. Oh my God. That's yeah. good. I, I want to say I saw a YouTube video, a YouTube short on it or something, but. <laughs> Gosh, that's good. Okay. Thank you so much, Yashu. You definitely helped me get brighter today. Everybody, as you saw, you need to be following Yashu. His Twitter handle is at Hey, it's Yashu. And of course, his YouTube channel is Hit That Bid. So thank you very much, Yashu. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, sir. Thanks, everyone, for watching.